Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, Okuo. It's great to be back with you once again. And well, this week we are saying goodbye to the series that we were just in, which was called Inspect Yourself, and we are moving forward but also going backward at the same time. Let me, look, look, let me explain. Uh, to start the year, we shared the word that God wanted us to learn about and live by, which was sturdy. And all year long, we've been talking about that, right? And we know that to be sturdy, we will need to make sure that we are first built on the right foundation because it doesn't matter how well we are put together, right? We were learning about how we were put together and how we can live that out. Uh, but it doesn't matter if we don't understand the good foundation, which is Jesus, right? Seeing this exact parable that he talked about at one point in his life. Here's what he said. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So we've learned to be sturdy, and it's really simple. Jesus is what we build upon. He's the one that we lean our whole lives on because he can take it and he will support us in the best way possible. It's what we've been talking about all year long. So the first step to being sturdy was starting from that bottom, starting from that foundation, understanding who Jesus was while he was here on the earth and who he is now. We called that series at the beginning of the year, well, the beginning. And what that series was about was the, about the account of Jesus's life as written by his disciple and good friend, John. We went through his entire account that series lasted 13 weeks, but over those 13 weeks, we had to pack 21 chapters into that somehow, which isn't nearly enough time to fully dive into that account of Jesus' life. Even more, there are three other biblical accounts of Jesus' life that we never even touched. So in this series, which we are calling Back to the Beginning, we will be doing the same thing we were doing in our original series at the beginning of the year, going through Jesus' life, sharing these stories with you, and hopefully you're able to take something away from that. However, we'll be taking time to catch up with all the stuff we didn't get to spend enough time with in the book of John, and we'll be talking about other aspects of Jesus' life from the other biblical accounts because we feel like we have to share all of these things with you. So today we'll be talking through the account of Jesus' life from his friend John, and we'll be in chapter 2. Now to give you some context, in the first chapter that John wrote, he laid out a lot of ideas for us to start thinking about. Mainly that the story that he was telling of Jesus' life, the way that he was telling it, was going to be like a Genesis 2.0. Now, Genesis was the first book in the Jewish scriptures, and John is explaining how the coming of Jesus, Jesus' life and eventual resurrection is like the new Genesis, the start of something completely different. Then to start chapter 2 out, John tells us the story of how Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. And he did it using water from giant jars that were actually used for purification processes in Jewish customs. 
Jesus made something new from the old stuff. Then the first people to find out about it weren't the important people at the wedding, but the servants. The elite at the wedding never actually understood the miracle that they were tasting, but the servants did. And the reason they were able to experience all that, the servants, was because they listened to Jesus and the way that he led them in those moments. So we have all of that set up for something else. After the wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine, he left town and headed to the next town of Capernaum. John writes that he spent a few days with his mom, his brothers, and the disciples. But something gets him to leave Capernaum after those few days. Let's see what it was. John writes, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. So it's Passover festival time. This festival is a celebration of how God saved the Jewish people while they were living as slaves in the nation of Egypt. They celebrate the story of God passing over his people. And here's how the Jewish ex scripture explained what happened. The leader of the Jewish people, Moses, was given instruction from God to go to the Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptians, and be asked to be released from Egyptian captivity. However, the Pharaoh really enjoyed all the free slave labor he was getting from the nation of Israel, from the Jewish people. So he tells Moses, no. To convince Pharaoh to let them go, God unleashed nine plagues on the nation of Egypt. But alas, Pharaoh's heart has been hardened and he will not free the people of Israel. So there's one last plague that God will unleash on Egypt. The plague of the firstborn. Each and every firstborn son in the nation of Egypt will be struck down unless a family slaughters a young, innocent, and blameless lamb in a very detailed way. Then the blood of the lamb must be spread on the top and two sides of the front door of the house. This is how it is explained in the Jewish scripture book called Exodus. God says, on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So this is the festival that Jesus and uh, his friends and, and, and buddies are walking into. Jewish people from all over would make the trek to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And they wouldn't just go to the city and like hang out in the city limits. No, they specifically traveled to the temple, the place of Jewish worship. Now think fiesta. But if every single person that ever lived in San Antonio came back to celebrate the event and everybody packed themselves into La Vieta the entire time, that's Passover or this kind of Passover. So everyone went to the temple because the temple was a place of Jewish worship. And the reason for this is because the temple was the place that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were able to meet God. There was a literal room in the back of the temple with a huge, thick curtain keeping it hidden where the presence of God would be. Now, even though only the priests were allowed to go back there, this is the place in the world that people knew they could go and encounter God. This is the place that God was supposed to be, but Israel had mostly turned their back on God. 
So God wasn't in the temple anymore. He actually hadn't spoken to them in centuries when Jesus is walking in. Where is he? Well, we can find out in a little bit. But first, let's take a look at what was happening outside of those inner rooms of the temple, out in the temple courtyards. This is what was going on. In the temple area, Jesus saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Now, one of the things that we need to know about the temple in, in general is that it was the beating heart of the entire nation of Israel. It was where worship and celebrations and, and, and politics of, of the nation and music and all kinds of stuff could be found, and it's where it started. If it was going on in Israel, you would probably find it within the courtyards of that temple. Now, with that being said, there were more animals in the temple than just about anywhere else in the entire country. You couldn't find a greater amount or variety of animals in any one place than in this temple. Now, part of that is because of the way that the sacrificial system worked. When someone would do something wrong or sin, a sacrifice would need to be made to make someone right with God once again. The thought is that an innocent animal would be ceremonially taken uh, and take on the sin of that person, and the animal would be sacrificed, just like we saw in Passover, right? Those lambs, those perfect blameless lambs, would allow them to be passed over. So what would happen is that all of these people from around the nation would come to the temple for sacrifices, but not everyone would bring animals to sacrifice, either for convenience or because of a lack of resources. So merchants would sell animals there, which makes sense, right? Like, here's, there's a problem, they solve it, there's a need, they see it. Now here's the start of the problem though. They would actually upcharge these people like crazy because what else is someone gonna do that didn't bring an animal? People would pay a crazy fee because they didn't wanna be stuck with their sins anymore. Also, they weren't giving them like the best animals. A lot of times they were sickly animals. It's kind of like uh, going to the movies. Like you aren't allowed to bring stuff in with you. So you're stuck paying like $35 to look at a piece of burned popcorn. Same idea. These merchants were making crazy money off of the people of God that were just trying to get right with him. In addition to all of that, John mentions the money changers. These guys were like the biblical times currency exchange. To buy anything in the temple, you had to use a very specific kind of money called Tyrian coinage. Now, if you didn't have that Tyrian coinage, you're out of luck. Like buying tickets at a fiesta event. They won't take your cash or your credit card. you got to have those tickets. So you had to have those coins to buy anything in there. But again, they're greedy. So these money changers would charge an insane rate to get that money changed over. Then some of those people would also own the animal service. So they would be like marking you up twice, two times in a row. Now, part of it is like, hey man, it's capitalism. It happens all the time. There's a middleman that serves a thing that raises a price. That's how it happens. That's true. But this is happening inside the walls of the church. The leaders of the church were allowing this to happen. They were also benefiting financially from these practices as well. This is part of the reason why God had ceased to speak to the nation of Israel, because of things like this. Now when Jesus walks into the temple and sees this happen, he is less than excited. Let's see how he reacts to this. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. 
Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. I have so many thoughts about this section. The first thing we see, though, is Jesus making a whip from some ropes, which has my first question about this section. How does that even happen? How does he, he just like undoes a rope or ties two together? I don't know. But here's the important part. Jesus knew how to do that. And then he did it. Okay, so there's Jesus with the whip chasing merchants out of the temple, right? Then he creates a little stampede. There are sheep and cattle, like just going all over the place. And then while all this is going on, he walks up to the money changers' tables and then like gives them one of these, you know, just slides his arm across the table, makes sure, you know, do like a little swim move there. So get them all off the table, throws all the coins onto the floor. And if that wasn't enough, to show that they weren't welcome there, after knocking all their coins on the floor, he flips the tables. Like, and then after that, he sets his eyes on the people selling doves. And when Jesus gets to them, he just has words for them. He says, get out of here and stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Some uh, um, um, translations say uh, a den of lies, like a den of, of stealing and a den of theft. Which, by the way, I don't know if you ever noticed in this, but we don't sell things here to no shirts, no coffee, no hats. We want to make sure that our church isn't a marketplace. We want you to walk in and visit Akuo and feel like you are welcomed into a place where you belong. We want you to experience God in a handful of ways, and one of them is being through generosity. We feel like God has called us to do something, to share him with all of you. And we're excited that God has called us to help you be in relationship and in community with Jesus and one another. And one of the many ways that we can show our celebration and gratitude for that is by giving you guys a free t-shirt and some coffee on a Sunday, right? That's the least we can do. That's the least way we can celebrate all the great things that God has given us. Okay, let's get back to the temple. So while this table flipping is going on and whipping and all this, this stuff, the disciples are hanging back and they remember a prophecy from the book of Psalms and the Jewish scripture, specifically Psalm 69, verse 9. There it's written, Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So it's pretty easy to see that the passion for the house of God has consumed Jesus and caused him to act in this way. In those moments, those people and their heinous acts of theft from people just wanting to get right with God, are, those people are being judged. And whenever I read this story, there's another thing I always think about. Jesus goes in and basically ruins the livelihood of every single person selling stuff that day. Now, if it was me and someone walked up to my business and ruined everything, I think that's a reason to go, right? Like, that, that might lead to fisticuffs. At the very least, like, trying to stop him from ruining everything, from keeping my family from eating that week. Like, I'm going to stand up to that dude that's trying to flip my table. Even more so, it wasn't like it's just one guy at one table selling everything. There's all kinds of merchants selling things in there. They had Jesus outnumbered. So if they just banded together, they could have done something. But alas, no one's taking a run at Jesus, which is always interesting to me. However, they do have stern questions. Let's see what they ask. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. 
All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? So the Jewish leaders, they're asking questions. Like, how can we trust that you were sent by God? Which I feel like is a fair question, right? Like, this dude walked in and created all kinds of havoc in the name of God. Okay, but how do they know he's from God? So they're like, hey, show us a miracle, dude. Like, if you're from God, that's cool, that's great. Show us something, which is something we just saw Jesus perform earlier in this chapter with the water to wine. But remember who he's showing all of these different miraculous things to. It's not the elite. Because Jesus knows who these people are. He knows that if he performs a miracle, they won't be interested in the way he's going to have them turn from their old ways. Because they just want to hold on to their power. He needed something greater to do that. To change the entire culture, something else was going to have to be changed. Something huge. So this is what Jesus tells them. Destroy the temple. You know, the, cult, the center of culture for your entire nation. Tear it down. And I'll raise it up in three days. Now this is laughable to them. Like, how is he going to do that? Because they're actually in the middle of a program that has taken them 46 years to restore this temple. It's not the first time it's been broken down, but it's definitely never been raised back in three days. So how can Jesus raise it back up in three days? Lucky for us, John explains that. Here's what he wrote. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. This is what Jesus meant. He meant that the temple wasn't needed anymore. Jesus is explaining that you can destroy the old way you met with God because he was bringing something different. Jesus had something new for them. Jesus was going to destroy the temple and what it had stood for. He was going to remove that curtain that separated God from everyone because at that moment, he was the new temple. He was the new intersection between the heavenly and the earthly. John writes in, in chapter 1 that the Word had been made flesh. The way that God interacted with the world was Jesus. And Jesus knew that he was going to give up his life. He was going to become the perfect sacrifice for everyone. He was going to be that sheep or dove that was going to be sacrificed to take on everyone's sins so that we would all be made right with God. And he was doing it, letting everybody know in the middle of the Passover celebration because Jesus was going to be the new lamb, the new blood that would be smeared so that God's judgment would pass over someone. Now to accept this Passover, to accept this perfect sacrifice of Jesus, it's actually pretty easy to do. All you have to do is simply believe. There's no religious hoops. There's no like creeds or, or, or things to do. All you have to do is simply believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, the perfect lamb sacrificed for you to make you right with God. Now, for some of us listening right now, you might not have had a chance to believe in Jesus. If that's you, First off, thank you for listening to this. I'm grateful that you were willing to spend some time here with us today to think about these things that we're talking about. 
Now, if you feel like your time spent with us has led you to something new, like you want to start believing in Jesus, you want to confirm that belief with him, I want to lead you in a conversation with Jesus, which we would call a prayer. Now, in this prayer, all you do is just simply say, hey, Jesus, I trust you, and I have faith in who you are. And what I actually want to do right now is lead you in that conversation, and I'll ask the rest of the Akuo community to pray along with you right now. Because here at Akuo Church, no one ever has to pray alone. You always have a community there with you when you're going through tough stuff. So if you want to confirm your belief in Jesus, just go ahead and say this between you and him. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and what you did here on this earth. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Now, for the rest of us believers, whether you have believed in Jesus for the last five seconds or the last five decades, what I want to do is lead you in, in something different. You know, here at Akuo, our, our, well, our name's Akuo, so it means listen. So what we want to be doing is listening to God every single chance we get. And the way that you can do that is you sit there, you ask him a question or two, and you just wait for him to speak back to you. That could be through an audible word. It could be through a picture or a thought just placed in your head. Now, after you ask uh, this, I'm going to give you a minute to allow yourself a little bit to hear from God. Now, if you need more time than what I give to you, you can pause this and keep listening. Also, if you feel like you're distracted or in a spot where you can't do that, it's okay. This is a time where we are helping train you up to figure out how to do this for the rest of of your week. Okay, we actually have two questions that we're going to ask this week. So just ask God, God, what temple do I need to tear down in my life? What curtain is keeping me from seeing you? So ask God these questions and listen, and I'll come back in a minute to finish out the prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your perfect sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Right now, we ask for you to tear down that curtain that is keeping us from you. Right now, we ask that you remove all the things that we are doing in our lives that aren't moving us towards you. Right now, we are asking you to stop us from doing the things that will lead people around us in the wrong direction. Jesus, please show us the best ways that we can be following you. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you. 
And we pray all of these things in your holy and mighty and wonderful and awesome name, Jesus. Amen. All right, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Now, before we go, there are a few things that I would like to share with you. The first thing I want to talk about, well, it happened yesterday. One of the best days we have every single year happened at Akuo yesterday. It was our third year in a row that we hosted a trunk or treat event there out in the parking lot. And y'all, there were so many awesome cars and smiling faces, so many cool uh, decorations and, and, and costumes. It was just the best. I always have so much fun doing that. So thank you so much for being a part of this event. None of these things can happen without all of you, and I cannot wait to do it even bigger and better next year. Now, our next opportunity to hang out as a church is happening next week on November the 6th. We are having a picnic after church. So bring your lunch. We're going to hang out. And maybe, most definitely, we're going to play some kickball out there in the field. So I want to encourage you all to be out here next week for a church picnic. Now, the only reason we're able to do any of these things is because of you and your generosity. And the reason we are able to link to our community in these ways is because of all the things that you guys do. And I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your generosity. Now, y'all, I don't care how you're doing it, what the amount might be. I just want you to be listening to God to see how much he wants you to be generous with. Now, if you aren't sure where to start, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here to Kuo is through the biblical method of giving called tithing generosity called tithing, which means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. That could be a place that you start. But here's the deal. We don't want this to be a burden for you. We want you to do this as a celebration of the relationship that you have with Jesus. This is not a thing where you give something and God gives you something back. This is not a transactional thing. This is about doing this to celebrate all of the things that you have received through your relationship with Jesus, right? You don't give something to your loved one as a gift for their birthday and expect something back that's equal to what you gave them, right? You just give because you love them. Now, the celebration of giving might not be the possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family, and if that's you, that's okay. If things are tough for you right now, please allow us to help you out. We want to be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs help, let us know. To do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send an email to us at help at akuo.church, and you can also call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here at Akuo Church and celebrate your relationship with God in that way, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. Now, when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to give option. For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O in the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our PO box available if you would like to send your gift through check. For that, all you have to do is mail it to AKUO at PO box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, guys, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate all of you, and I will be praying for you all week long. Our entire Kuo team will be praying for you all week long. Now, before we go, let me pray over you one last time. So Jesus, I just ask that as we leave here and people 
turn off their TVs and, and put away their phones and their, their tablets. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them, that you would continue to speak to them. I pray that you would show them the ways that you have ripped down the veils in their lives. I pray that you would show them the ways that you have given them an access that they don't even fully understand yet directly to you. I pray that you would show them that you are constantly with them and that they're not in a place, that you're not in a place far away, but you were there with them, Lord. We thank you for everything and we love you. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. All right, that's all that we have for you. We'll see you at a community group this week, or we will see you next week at the picnic. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.